the Wait Star Bookshop. And if it's not available now, please book so that they can bring it on the following Sunday. And then we approach, I, in the book, I approach inference from various angles. But the main thing is that I'm approaching it from you are not necessarily a pastor, you are a man in industry. How can you be a man or a woman of influence? On the, during the first service, we emphasized the whole issue about Christ as an influence agent. And what were the requirements? What is it that made Christ such an influence? And we looked at uh, quite, a number of, quite a number of things. But I want to go on from, from that point. And I want us to read, if you don't mind, the book of, um, uh, the book of Ephesians chapter 6. Just look at two verses. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. If you are there, I'll read it in the NIV. Ephesians chapter 20, uh, chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. Paul talking about himself. He says, I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. Verse 20, for which an ambassador in chains. At this particular time, Paul is actually not a missionary, not a preacher. What is his profession at that time? A prisoner. Actually locked up in chains. But he does not refer to his career as prison, uh, pri prison career or prison professional. And he was a prisoner for many years. How does he regard himself as an ambassador only in chains? I'm here to tell you that if you are really going to be a man or a woman of influence, you must know your title is your excellency, the ambassador of the heavenly court. Everybody born again, once you are saved, it means that Christ has made you an ambassador. And what that means is that if God wanted you in heaven, immediately you are saved, he would have whipped you into heaven, isn't it? The reason you are still here is that you now belong to heaven, but you are here on earth to represent heaven. And I believe the reason why a lot of us do not have influence in our clan, in our neighborhood, in our professional life, is because we have not discovered what Paul discovered at this stage. That every born again person, specifically, is an ambassador. So when I meet you outside and call you your excellency, please understand why. It's because as I meet you, you, I am meeting somebody who is representing the courts of heaven. And if you are actually representing heaven, what else can you be but an ambassador, isn't it? But you know, if you are an ambassador, for example, our ambassador in Japan, uh, just for an example, and you forget you are an ambassador, then you are likely to go to the Akoromindo in the wrong place. Am I communicating? And then the newsman, the newsman will have a heyday talking about the ambassador of Kenya being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Now, but when you are aware that you cannot be an ambassador in Japan for only office hours, you're aware about that? That they, they talk about an embassy, which is an office, and a chancery, which is a house. So that the ambassador of Kenya in Japan, when during office hours, he is in an embassy, and during the night, is still an embassy. Am I communicating? There isn't a possibility that if you caught him, like one of, you remember one of them in another country, I think it's America, where he did certain things during outside of his hours. And it came back to us. You know what I'm talking about? Because sometimes you forget that you're an ambassador only during office hours. So in the evening, 
The same way you used to go to a Karomaido in Kenya, you forget that now you're an ambassador and you go to certain Karomaidos and they end up karomaring you. Now, it's very important to understand, to understand that when you become an ambassador, it is critical that you realize you are not an ambassador during office hours, you're an ambassador all the time. Are we together? And the reason why the men of God have lacked influence is simply because on Sunday, on the hill, I come from the church in the valley, it's called Valley Road. But for you in the church in the hill, you assume that during Sunday, an, ambas an ambassador. And actually, whenever you are here, Pastor Mogabi knows you are sanctimonious. Do you like big words? So you are so holy that even holiness is felt when you are in the church on the hill. There isn't anything can stop you. And as long as you are up the hill, everything is quite okay. Because it's a holy day. When you go to that Sunday school, even the children know you are holy. Until Monday morning, you are in your office. And if somebody asks you that question, wait a minute, this is called an office. Yesterday I was in church, yes. If you, if you want a Christian, come back to church on the hill. And there are people who are like that, who don't quite understand the implication. That's why this message is actually particularly important. That Paul was actually in prison and actually in chains. But he never saw himself as a prisoner. He saw himself as an ambassador. And in fact, he was so excited about his imprisonment. And I don't have the time to look at that. If you go to the book of Galatians, and also it's repeated in the book of, uh, in the book of Philippians, he says that I am in chains, but I'm happy to be in a chain. Because of these chains, the gospel has entered into a praetorium. In other words, because he was a prisoner inside the palace, the palace guards started understanding the gospel, and through the palace guards, the message started, started going to Caesar's palace. Am I communicating? Can you start understanding what it means to have that attitude? That they thought they had imprisoned him, little knowing it was a relocation of parishes. From the parish that he had when he was a missionary, now he had a parish inside the palace. How else would he preach in the palace? And because Caesar would not allow him in, God made him make Paul a prisoner. And because the prisoners were held in the palace, he now could preach inside. Are you getting the message? That you start understanding that the reason the church of Christ has so no influence is because the message of the gospel as written in the scriptures is not understood. That people live in a dichotomy. I'll be coming to it in a, in a short while. People live in a dichotomy where they are saved when in Valley Road and evil when they are in River Road. Little understanding, it doesn't quite matter which road you are on. All the time. Once you're an ambassador, you are an ambassador all the time. And the message of Christ to this church is that the idea of being a Christian on Sundays, otherwise called Sunday Christians, is total and scriptural. Either Christ has, has all of you or none of you. May I repeat? Either Christ has all of you or none of you. So that if you are actually feeling adequate to be such a holy man, sanctimonious, and doing a wonderful ministry in the church on the hill, and yet you have no impact in your clan over Christmas and you organize a big party for all your uncles and your brothers, they do not know Christ in you. It means that you are a Christian on the, when you are in Nairobi, and nobody knows your Christianity when you are back, wherever it is you go for your Christmas, for your Christmas uh, celebrations. It's important to understand that Paul is saying, I will make, I will fearlessly make the message of the gospel known, for which I'm an ambassador in chains. 
And my prayer is, if you don't hear anything else in this message, that God will help you to understand what it means to be born again and to become an ambassador. And that will give you the impression. You know, when I left campus, this message, I didn't understand necessarily this, but when I left campus more than 30 years ago in the 70s, one of the things that was exciting, I used to be the chairman of the University Christian Union in 1975, and one of the things that was exciting me was the day I leave campus and I wanted to be an ambassador, and I was doing a business degree. One of the things I really wanted to become is a cooperative officer. Because district, those days when you left, you are a graduate, the lowest, the lowest ladder in the cooperative movement was to become a district cooperative officer. That means I'll have a Land Rover all by myself. And I'll be able to cover the place. Of course, as university students, you used to preach all over. But I now knew as a district cooperative officer, it will mean that I can go anywhere. Number two, I knew that you could not be given a district near Nairobi. That was for older cooperative officers. But if you're a new one, they sent you to the middle of nowhere. That means I would be a missionary under the government salary. Are you getting the idea? And I was getting so excited about the idea of being posted because that's the way I saw as the people who needed the gospel. But you know that never happened because as, I, as I, they came to the campus, various organizations came to the campus in the 70s to try to recruit us. The one that finally recruited me was the Development Bank and it happened to be in Nairobi. I had told the Lord that whatever, whatever place you, you take me first, I will stay there until I have quotable experience. You know what is quotable experience? Do you know there are places people employ you two months, you don't include it in your CV. Now, basically, it's not quotable. Because if you, if you happen to be everywhere, two months, three months, four months, people form an opinion. Even here, you are coming for two months, so you don't quote it. So I told, I told the Lord that wherever you place me first, I'm going to stay there until there is quotable experience. But in my heart, he not do it. One week after I had the letter of appointment to the bank, I got my appointment as a district cooperative officer. <laughs> but obviously, I knew what we had discussed with the Lord. So I dropped the letter and stayed. But my disappointment was, how could I be an ambassador in Nairobi? Everybody is there. I felt so disappointed because focus is there. All the big people are there. If you are in Nairobi and you are like a young man, new graduate, how can you make inference? Little did I know that the Lord knew that I was needed in Nairobi. As I started getting involved in various Christian, Christian organizations, uh, full gospel businessmen fellowship, when I entered into the fellowship, there was no other graduate, somebody who has a degree. So you have a young man willing to enter. And I got all kinds of uh, duties to help organize their meetings. And I knew that my training in business was something that could be used as you organized various dinners in the 70s, all over, all over. And then after that, I got into KSCF, I got into the leadership for focus, I got, and within no time, I literally had no time of my own, I could hardly enter. And I discovered whichever organization I entered required certain helps. Why? It was the people in Nairobi who organized the ministries for the whole country. And if I could enter into Nairobi, it means I could influence not just the Kasimo district officer's area I was after, but I could influence all the district officers. Am I communicating? And that's when I started realizing that I could be an ambassador irrespective of where the Lord put me to be. You know, after that, I went to work for a multinational. And because there were Zungus, I wondered exactly how to actually be a person of influence. But in my mind, anywhere God sent me, I am an ambassador only in that career. But an ambassador still. Am I communicating? 
Just like the ambassador of Japan can be transferred to Holland, isn't it? But he remains an ambassador. And as I, when I came to the multinational, I discovered Wazungus don't want, don't want that kind of thing. And I was wondering exactly what to do. One of the things that finally still, I still remember, that's uh, about that years ago. One of the things I still, I still remember uh, dealing with is, how will I penetrate this? And I discovered that the company used to organize, had a, had a film, had a film um, uh, department where they used to show films. I work for another company. They would show films about, uh, about, about oil to various schools. And schools could come and borrow, uh, borrow, borrow those films. We had a library. And then, so therefore we had equipment. And then once in a while in a lunch hour, they would show a film as a way of entertaining, entertaining the staff over the lunch hour. And then when it occurred to me that it was possible for him to influence this place, through films. So I went to NCCK where they had the religious film department where all over the country people used to borrow films. And I started selecting beautiful modern films. And then I went over to the film library and said, is it possible over lunch hour, instead of showing what you showed, some of us like something different. Is it possible that you can allow me, I will not ask the company to pay anything. I will pay for everything, just show it. And initially they resisted. Then one day they showed it, and a lot of people were very happy with the idea of seeing the, my films because they were they were social films, and of course with a Christian message. And there began my film ministry, because that meant that I could show one month a film. Then people say, "What Ganga? What happened to your films?" They became so popular, the company started feeling embarrassed about the idea of a company, a company mini, uh, job being paid for by an individual. So the company took over paying for the films, and my job was to, uh, to point to the librarian how to borrow the films in the library. <laughs> so that I discovered it was possible. Now, soon after that is when the whole idea, I used to then, I, I, I immediately I left campus, I joined, the, I joined um, something we used to have in lunch or in the Bible house. That used to be a week we preach in the street, certain other days of the week. We had lunch our fellowship. And soon I, I entered, like I am saying, there are not many graduates in the 70s who are born again. So within no time, I was actually in the leadership of, um, of, the, of, the, of, of, of that one. By the way, it happens that your former pastor and I were in the same committee in 1970. And the former, the, the founding pastor of this church, we, that's how we met in the 1970s. He was working in one place, I was working in the other. And we had the same committee with those, over those lunch hour meetings. And so I started being there. Then I asked myself, it didn't matter how much I tried to encourage people to go to the, to all the way to, I come from, I, my office is near Harambe Avenue. I, I didn't matter how much I told them to go down below government road. They would not come. That's when I, the idea came that it was possible to begin a lunch hour fellowship in my office. Actually, what happened is one of the, one of the people got saved in my office. And I was trying to follow them up and I didn't know, they, I, wouldn't, I wasn't getting the time. And the idea came. If we had a lunch hour fellowship, even if just that young man and me met, it will mean that we have a regular way of doing follow-up. And so in 1984, we finally got together and began a fellowship for those who are born again in, in the building, not just my immediate campus, but in the building where we are. And so this year, we were celebrating, we were celebrating 20-something, how many, 24 years since that fellowship was born. And it's still going on. I was there this lunch. Wednesday is our day. We had that lunch, our fellowship. It's still going on. We were able to, to, to continue with it. But you know, somewhere along the line, I was growing and I was actually appointed to be an area manager in charge of Western Kenya. And so I had to leave my fellowship that I used to be the leader of. And I was actually located in Kisumu. And the issue was exactly what the Lord wants me to do in this place 
when I'm working in Kisumu. And that's when Bonke came to Kisumu and again happened to have been, to have been uh, appointed to be in the committee. And of course, you remember my friend, your former pastor, was the one leading the Bonke meetings. So once he found me in Kisumu, was it, is it in a wonder I ended up in the leadership? And then the issue was I wanted some of the evangelists to come to my depot where my office was. And they came there, of course, as the manager. You have to find a way of, of not being the leader. Because once you are the leader, then anybody who wants promotion attends the meeting. Are you, am I communicating? So you have to have wisdom of organizing from behind and going to attend than not to lead. But people got saved. Once they were saved, the question was, how do you follow up? And the, the evangelists promised they can come once a week to our depot to do follow up. And there was born the Lunch Hour Fellowship for Kisumu. Am I communicating? Then after quite a number of years, I was actually relocated back to Nairobi and became the digital manager for the whole country. That meant all the depots reported to me. And I remembered what happened in Kisumu. Now there was a way of telling all the managers that if you really want your people to have a peaceful time, you must. And we are dealing with something called stress, isn't it? And I told my managers in charge of various depots, if you want to manage stress, you must give some people something to do, different for back. They really will be fresh. So I organized, I organized that we, we would have table tennis. So we, the company bought equipment for table tennis. The company bought several things. And in addition to that, a room for prayer. It's your choice. Am I communicating? And it did not quite matter. So began fellowships throughout all the depots. And you now go, when you now go to various oil, oil, oil depots, you will discover there is a fellowship in every one of them. Obviously, the manager may feel resistant. But you know what happens is, when I'm visiting the depot, and it happens to be the day they normally meet. And the manager wants to take me for lunch. I say, no, 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 no. I want to join. Doesn't your depot have a fellowship? Yes. That's where I will go. And so he knew that I counted that as important. And you know, after that, Kenya Pipeline took over our depots, took over the depots. And you know, lo and behold, those fellowships were now relocated because the, the oil company is now relocated to the oil depots. I was so happy last, last month I went to Eldoret and found that the Kenya Pipeline manager is himself born again, and the fellowship is still going on. <laughs> what I'm trying to get you to understand is that once you realize you're an ambassador, opportunities are everywhere. Obviously, some of the problems that will come with the process that everybody soon enough knows you are born again. And it could very easily affect your upward mobility. Am I communicating? Uh, because people wonder, Wazungus wonder, can you promote somebody like that? Because obviously for a Muzungu who is not born again, once you, are, you say you are born again, what he understands is that there is a root nut na in your head. Because he cannot see anybody with a balanced mind saying they are born again. Offended until I went to Holland and I was talking to some of the, my workmates in Holland who work for, for the multinational I work for, work for and trying to preach to them. And I discovered they actually do not know who Jesus is. We went for a conference with one of them and I was trying to preach to him and there were Bibles, Gideon Bibles in the room. When he met the following day, he said, by the way, John, I saw a Bible. And you know, there was this guy called Jesus. I said, calling Jesus a guy. And there was another guy called Moses. I asked him, please, are you telling me you have no idea? That's when he explained that since he was born, he has never read the Bible. And that in Holland, it's against the law to teach the Bible in schools. And then he told me, I'm a Catholic, yes, but we an accurate do pay. But in where I come from, we don't have to go to church. I have as long, since I want to be buried by the church, what I do is I make sure I pay my tithe. But I don't have to go to the church. It's the past he moves from, from place to place. And as long as the tax will be reduced, and then it means that if I die, it's the work of the pastor to bury 
me. So it is not necessary for me to know about Jesus because I don't have to. Am I communicating? From then onwards, I was never offended. Now, but you need to understand very well that you are not, you are not just an executive. You are an ambassador, isn't it? And there will be certain things that the foreign country may not like about your home country, isn't it? And they could interfere with it. Now, I'm giving that as a testimony to, and I could give, uh, not too long ago, I, I was, um, after being district manager for many years in Kenya, I was asked to join, uh, to, to, to take a, a regional job where I was covering about 10, 10 countries of Eastern and uh, parts of Southern Africa from about Madagascar. My lowest country was Madagascar, right up to Djibouti on the Red Sea. And so I was traveling. My first thing was to resist because I was already so involved in many organizations and many ministries. My question was, this will interfere with the men in my ministry. Because in my own mind, I felt like I am being relocated where my ambassadorial duties were going to be interfered with. And I was actually quite resistant. It took the MD quite a bit of time to convince me to move out, to move out of my Kenya office because I felt it was interfering with my ministry. And so I, one of the countries I was covering was Ethiopia. And because the things I was doing, I was doing was, was very involving, we actually agreed for a number of months I would stay there three weeks there and come back or go to another country for one week. But three weeks for about three months. And so when I was in Ethiopia and feeling like my ministry has been interfered with, that the Lord started speaking to me that even in Ethiopia, I'm an ambassador. Am I communicating? I discovered very interesting with something I had not realized that because of ministering for the last three decades, from the 70s until now, many of you we have actually met in your university days. It means that any country I went, there is somebody from Kenyatta University or Moi University or Maseno University who I just bumped. And I remember I was staying in the Hilton, in the Hilton that, that time. That must be 2002 or 2001. I was staying in the, in the Hilton and every other day I bump into somebody. And he says, are you not John Nganga? Yes. You can't remember me? I was a secretary of the CU in Kenyatta. Oh, I can't remember. So we have a quick fellowship. I say, what are you doing here? I am in this organization. I am in the embassy. I am in this. That's when the Lord started whispering. The reason you know all these people is because you could be good to them. You know they themselves don't know each other. They are both Kenyans. They are both born again. They are in Ethiopia, but don't know one another. So they feel lonely. And a lot of the churches in Ethiopia actually speak in Amharic. Everybody speaks Amharic in Addis Ababa. So there are only very few churches that speak in English. And actually one of the Sundays, the first Sunday was at the Hilton. I asked the Hilton to show me a church that could speak English. They ended up talking me in a church where they were speaking Amharic. So it was very difficult to discover a church. And I said, how many people are suffering like that? That's where the idea of beginning my depot fellowship, now national fellowship, in, in Addis Ababa began. And so I started taking, taking my, a small book. So whoever I met, I took his mobile. Remember, one, one day there was, I was in the swimming pool at the, at, at the Hilton, and I was actually in the water. Then a Muzuku came and was waving, waving. I couldn't recognize him. And I, I walked out of the water. I didn't know he would discover me with, without my shirt on. But uh, as, as, I came, as I came out of the water, came, came nearer, he said, John, what are you doing in my country? This is a, a European who was actually married as a, a, um, an Ethiopian lady, and they had relocated to Addis Ababa. But I had spoken to them in a conference in Brackenhurst. So he couldn't imagine seeing me there. So he, of course, he started, he is the one who gave me a few more names of Kenyans, because he used to go to Norby Chapel, who are actually, you are actually there. Within no time, I had 14 names. And so I called the first fellowship, Kenyan fellowship, in Addis Ababa. The question was where to meet. And I was told by somebody, meet in the Hilton. I said, it will not have the same impression. And then it turns out that one of these people I met on the, in the Hilton, 
who was a former secretary of Kenyatta University Christian Union, had just gotten married, and the husband was one of the senior people in our Kenyan embassy. So he introduced me to the husband who was from Parkland's campus. And so I asked them, you are newly married. In a big embassy house, what do you think this house is for? <laughs> they started feeling uncomfortable, the idea of people coming to the house. I said, wait a minute, the reason God gave you a house is an embassy. And when, when the presidents come, they always come to the embassy, isn't it? This is God's house. After a, a bit of persuasion, they finally agreed. And so the first Kenyan fellowship in Addis Ababa was held in that brother's house. And so it began. So if you happen to be in Addis Ababa on the third Saturday of the month, there is a fellowship that goes on. After that, this brother was promoted in the embassy. And so he asked us, why meet in a house? There are free houses in the embassy. You can come to the embassy. So he said, write to me officially. We wrote to him officially. And so finally he gave an official letter allowing the Kenyan fellowship to meet in the embassy. And so now it meets in the embassy. After a number of years, because I was so excited about what God was doing, because the whole idea of beginning the Kenyan fellowship was to tell them that they are ambassadors. Because you are ambassadors and you are not aware, you will be in the wrong mind. Am I communicating? So the idea of a Kenyan fellowship is not, the, it's not so that they form a Kenyan church. I am totally opposed to people who go to America to begin Kenyan churches. Because Kenyan churches are available. Unless you don't understand what to be an ambassador is. How would you go to America to begin a Kenyan church? You are supposed to meet with the Americans and save. That's why you're a, man, a missionary there. If, you, if salt was to come out of the food, would the food become salty? You need to understand that you are a salt in America. So the idea that you can begin a Kenyan church is simply anti-biblical. You cannot be an ambassador in a Kenyan church. Where you run away from, where you are, from the places you are supposed to sort, how will you have an impact on them? And so the message to the Kenyan fellowship in Addis Ababa was, you must belong to those Ethiopian churches. Once in a month you come together, retreat to gain power, back to attack, and influence that nation. When the fellowship became very sweet, they said, can't we even try twice a month? I said, never. If you go twice a month, you will not need the Ethiopians. It is important you meet only once, so that you need the Ethiopian fellowship. Am I communicating? When it's after some time I felt, I, I realized that God was not just after Addis Ababa. He was interested in me in other countries. I remember going to Sudan and meeting a few brethren and the question was, does the Lord, is the Lord near there? And they said it is even bigger because many of them are working in Darfur and very difficult areas and they need encouragement. And that's when we were there, we finally agreed a few brethren would begin a Kenyan fellowship in Khartoum. I was in the, my, my old company doesn't operate in the south, so the only place I was involved in is in the north with Arabs. And so we began a Kenyan fellowship in Khartoum. But you know what happened? The first Kenyan fellowship, which of course I was, I was the first speaker for the first one when I was trying to set them up, everybody who could speak Swahili came. So it was no longer a Kenyan fellowship, it was a Swahili fellowship. So if you are from Burundi and you know Swahili, everybody came because the idea was to be able to meet people and of course being an Arab country anybody from Kenya Uganda feel like brothers am I communicating and that one is going on and this year I was back in, in Khartoum and I was very happy to go back and find the fellowship is still running after that a friend of mine was in was in, was going to Tanzania and I told him about what the Lord was doing in the other, in the other place and I said God must be sending you to to Dar es Salaam for a reason and so when he arrived, he started doing what I had told him we do, picking up names. Within no, within no fellowship, within no time, there was a Kenyan fellowship in Jerusalem, and they invited me. When I went there at about two years ago, I think it's about two years ago, where after we had started the fellowship, they asked me to run a one-day seminar on how on the things we are talking about, how to be a Christian of influence. 
in your workplace. And we ran the thing for a full day. Do you know how many Kenyans were there? Eight zero. Eight Kenyans were in that fellowship as we prepared them about influencing Tanzania for Christ. After that, we went to, we went to Uganda. And again, a friend of mine was posted in Kampala, told him about what we are doing. I promised to go once he has gathered a few people, gathered them. And so we finally, I was finally in Kampala and we launched the Kenyan Fellowship in Kampala. And again, last, in March, I was back there to find the fellowship is still going on. And during the crisis, they did a lot of work. The Kenyan Fellowship did a lot of work. What am I communicating? That it really does not matter the job you do or where you do it. Once you are conscious, you're an ambassador it will be possible to do many, many things for Christ. Am I coming to heaven? And you're so fearlessly do it that you realize that even in prison, you are not just a prisoner. You are not a prisoner. or somebody else. Remember, once you are a Christian, you are a missionary. Am I communicating? What's a missionary? A missionary is somebody with a mission to a new group. And I want to tell you that the Monyoyayas may look like they don't know the Lord. But people don't know the Lord are in your office. Am I communicating? You know, one time I used to think it's a joke until I had a director. One of the directors was a, 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 Kenyan, a Kenyan director. Um, uh, knew I was born again, obviously. And I was manager in charge of the departments then. And uh, it turned out that I was going, Amzungu from Orlando office wanted to do a consultancy for us in the country. And he went all over the country visiting all, the, all depots. And uh, when he came back, the Muzungu told my boss, when we were, just before we went to present the, the report to the board, we had to see this particular, my immediate boss, to give him a few of the things that we had discovered. He, he started by saying, wow, you gave me a preacher to go to be a consultant. Now that's now the Muzungu telling my boss. Um, and as a way of cooling the matter, I told my boss, I told, I told this Muzungu, even, even, even my boss is a Christian. And my boss told to my face, said, never, John, I'm not a Christian myself. <laughs> I said, but don't pretend so and so. Don't pretend. You attend the church. You, John, who told you I attend the church? I, I realized my joke was not going in. <laughs> but surely, when there, is, when there is a wedding, now, of course, I have now fetched when he goes to church. When there is a wedding of one of your relatives, don't you go to church? He said, John, I don't go to church. I go to the reception. I realized I was getting into trouble. Then he said, I said, surely, what about a funeral? What do you do when there's a funeral? Or even a funeral, I go to the graveside. <laughs> and I realized that I was dealing with a total kafiri. Am I communicating? <laughs> he told me the last time he ever went to church was before he went for university in Britain. He had never been to church from the time he went, he went after form six, he was taken by university in Britain and came back after that. He never went to church and that was maybe 30 years ago, 20-something years before that time. He never went to church. So when you talk about that the guy has refused Christ, he doesn't even know him. Am I communicating? So that if you talk about the people to be rich, they are not in Monyoyaya. Where are they? In your office. And there are many people in your office who are total kafiris. Am I communicating? And it's important to understand that your mission field is your job. Your job is your mission field. It, they, they're not, it's not another place. So a lot of people have that problem of looking for a mission to you. Just look at Colossians chapter 3 verse 17. <coughs> Just look, open it. Colossians chapter 3 verse 17. And whatever you do, whether in a word 
or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. What does whatever mean? The Bible has said whatever you do. What does whatever mean? Whatever means? Whatever. Am I communicating? What has been left out? Going to the toilet? You need to understand when you are in the toilet in the name of the Lord. Am I communicating? Because whatever must have included it, isn't it? There isn't any possibility that you can be a toilet non-Christian. Now, it's important to understand that right in the toilet, whatever you do, do it in the name of the Lord. So, when you are soiling the toilet, please soil it in the name of the Lord. It's very important to understand whatever means whatever. You know, if this message was to be understood, you can understand this idea of being an ambassador. What kind of influence you will have when everywhere you start realizing that you are supposed And when you talk about whatever, it means that if you take a job that you cannot call your mission, it will have a problem. Why? Whatever career any Christian does, they must be able to say, I'm doing that in the name. So if you are involved in drug trafficking, and a lot of people are getting mad and deraged because of your drugs, do it in the name of the Lord. So many people, so many children are now ending up completely mad. Why? Because of my ministry. You know, because remember, everything you do is ministry. Am I communicating? That's why, for example, if you choose to, do, to work in the breweries, please understand what you are doing. And whether when I say work in breweries, it doesn't mean brew the beer. If you understand about the companies these days, they are having a mission statement. And the mission statement of breweries is not brewing beer. Am I communicating? So it, that's not the, what they write in their mission statement. It's very important to understand that any sweeper in the breweries, his job is to ensure more beer bottles are sold, isn't it? So that you cannot say, but I work in breweries, my, my work is to sweep. Yeah, why do you sweep? So that the chemist can find a clean floor. So when he is mixing the concussions, it does not get dirty. So that when the guys drink it, they will be properly drunk. Can you imagine? <laughs> it's important to understand it's important to understand that the sweeping is a critical part of breweries fulfilling their mission. Am I communicating? If you are typing, you must be a good typewriter, type, typist. So that when he writes a, a letter to a, to, a, to a customer, it will be so well written without a single English mistake. And they will buy this beer, company's beer rather this one. That's why when a secretary is a salesperson for the breweries. Am I communicating? And a lot of companies are now emphasizing that you start understanding marketing is not by the marketing department. Marketing is by the whole company, isn't it? Now, so you need to understand that you sit here. Whatever it is you are doing, tonight you need to evaluate it. To say, can I say that the job I do, um, the mission statement of my employer can agree with the mission statement of Christ? So that what I do, I don't do it for my employer, I do it for Christ. A lot of you may have to resign tonight. But when you do, be assured the Lord will give you another job. Am I communicating? Because remember, he created you for a purpose, isn't it? But that purpose is to do his will. Am I communicating? So that you can understand the meaning of Colossians 3.17. Whatever, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of Lord Jesus. So if you cannot say I'm doing this in his name, it is important to know you shouldn't be doing it. You cannot, you are not allowed as a Christian to do anything. You cannot say, I'm doing it in the name of the Lord. Because an ambassador must act all the time 
for the president of his country, isn't it? So you cannot, and it's a very, very important thing to say. So what we are saying is that you need to come, for us to be men and women of influence in the corporate world, or in the farming area, or whatever it is your, your profession is, it will be important that you come to where you see your job or your business as your mission. I finish with Acts chapter 18, verse 1 to 4. Acts chapter 18, verse 1 to 4. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named Aquila, and a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla. Because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome, Paul went to see them. And because he was a tent maker as they were, he stayed and worked with them. Every Sabbath, he reasoned in synagogue, trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. Question, what was Paul's profession, according to this passage? Tent maker. But you know, a lot of us never remember that. They think he was a missionary. But you see, for him, he didn't have the dichotomy that most of us Christians have. We have come to where we even ask people, haven't you, John Nganga, haven't you had the call? And what's the idea of that idea of a call? Is that only people who are pastors have been called. So if you have not yet become an evangelist, you have not yet been called. Now this guy was called, but he was making tents. Am I communicating? And I, if, although I have run out of time, it will be important to understand that you have no business doing any job you have not had a call for. If working for the old company I work for, I cannot say I had God's call. Now, by the way, I had. I never even applied. God organized for me to go there. A lot of people would have wanted to work there, but they came for me because God was involved. Am I communicating? It is important for you not to end up in any job where you cannot say you have the call of God. That what you are doing is not just something nice you feel like doing. God sent you there. Are we together? And, 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 and when that happens, this word of people hearing God's call will die. Because you hear God's call to become a pastor. Another one hears God's call to become an evangelist. Another one hears God's call to become an accountant. Another one hears God's call to become a prison officer. Another one hears God. All of them have had God's call. That's one of the things I emphasize in my book. I hope you'll be able to get a copy, a copy of it. That every career is an abezadorio, an abezadorio avenue. Because if you left the work to the pastors, the ministry will not grow. Do you know something? If you wanted next Sunday for this church not to have enough room, let Pastor Mugabe try. He can't manage. But if we decided, by the way, not even everybody, just half of us, decide from now I'll be praying for one person I'll bring to church next Sunday. Do you know there will be no room here, isn't it? It's very important to understand that if we were all in church ministry, the church would be of no impact. The church begins to have impact. When God calls one to, to carpentry, another one to kitchen work, another one to uh, accounting, another one, that means we are in every corner. And when you put your light, like that Sunday school chorus, you remember the chorus we used to sing about our little, this little light of mine? When you are able to put it in every corner, can you imagine this church will have to be built double its size? Am I communicating? But the reason it does not operate like that, and I've run out of time, I will not be able to go to the next area, because I wanted to look at why are we not doing what I've been reading? And maybe at another time we'll be able to look at it. I call them lies professionals have had. 
that prevents them from being people of influence. But let me introduce that next topic by saying it begins with your thinking that you need a call of God to start working for him. The only call you needed was to know Christ. Acts chapter 1 verse, verse 8, what it says, wait in Jerusalem. After you are full of the Holy Ghost, what will happen? You will become my witnesses. Was it addressed to the apostles? It was to the whole 120 people in the upper room. Am I communicating? That means that anybody born again becomes a witness, becomes an ambassador. In Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. My brother, have you taken over your duties as an ambassador? Because as long as you are born again, there is an impossibility that you can be idle. Whatever you do, you're supposed to do it to the glory of God. And you know something? Do you know the benefit of becoming an ambassador? Not just the fact that people call you your excellency, but because nobody can miss you. Ambassadors normally have CD. Am I communicating? So that they drive, oh, that's an ambassador. You have no idea. You cannot miss him. And it's the same with the Christians. Wherever we are, it doesn't, even if you try to hide within no time, people know there is something wrong with you, isn't it? Because all of a sudden you are in a party, they are drinking, then you say you take your foolish Africans, never take alcohol, you know, it's called Fanta. Now, all of a sudden people wonder, what's wrong with this guy? <laughs> that, was, that was my teenage language for, for Fanta. <laughs> now, so all of a sudden they know what you are. Am I communicating? It will be important to understand that as soon as you're an ambassador, you will be noticed. But number two, there is a lot of satisfaction, even in suffering. You suffer, people expect you to be annoyed, but you say, hallelujah, Christ has counted me worthy to suffer for the gospel. So it doesn't matter what you do to a Christian, in as long as he's in the middle of God's will, which is our sharing, our sharing in the first service. In as long as he is living for Christ, anything happens to him. You think you will destroy him, it makes him even more enjoy, to enjoy more and more, isn't it? There is so much satisfaction and contentment when you serve Christ. You promote him, he is happy to serve the Lord in the new place. You demote him, he knows there's a change of parish. It doesn't matter what you do to him. He is aware the boss is not the one in control. There is a hand that moves the hand of the boss. Am I communicating? And when you realize that control, it is really a Christian is an annoyable. Is that English? It doesn't matter what you try, he cannot become annoyed. So in better English, he is not annoyable. It is impossible to bring your spirit down when you are serving Christ. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, how much you want us to enjoy our earthly life. Although we know in heaven there will be even greater joy. Serving you on earth, living as your representative, is an exciting endeavor. How I pray that today you will speak to every one of us. Is there somebody here, before I finish prayer, who does not know the Lord and does not enjoy what you are talking about, living for Christ? And the joy of living for him. And he's saying, Brother Nanga, pray for me. I truly want to be born again. Would you like to put up your hand if you are praying for yourself so that I remember you specifically? You are saying you want Christ to be the Lord of your life. You want to enjoy to serve him. Thank you very much. Put the hand down. Anybody else? You just want us saying, pray for me, Brother Nanga. I truly want to be touched. Anybody else saying, I want, I want prayer. I want Jesus to change me. I want to enjoy serving him. Anybody else? Is there somebody who is born again and you're saying, Brother Nanga, to be honest, I have not lived as an ambassador in my clan, in my neighborhood, in my professional life. And from today, I'm determining to be forgiven of the past 
I want Christ to take control. Anybody in that category saying, Brother Nanga, pray with me. Just put up your hand. The Lord bless you. 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 Put the hands down. Is there anybody else? Don't put up a second time. Is anybody else saying, Brother Nanga, I truly, that message was my message. I've heard from God. I want him forgiveness for the past. I want his control into the future. Anybody else? The Lord bless you. Put the hand down. The Lord bless you. Put the hand down. Anybody else? The Lord bless you. Put the hand down. Don't put up a second time. Anybody else? I just want to ask Pastor Kiyoko to just come and pray with us that the Lord will truly forgive us for our past and truly begin a new life, a new walk with him. Hallelujah. All of us in the mood of prayer. I would want us to make a commitment to the Lord. That Father, from today, with the help of your Holy Spirit, I just want to surrender everything to you. I want you to use me in my home, in my neighborhood, in the place of work, whoever you allow me to interact with, that Lord will use me for the extension of your kingdom. I want to pray for each one of us that God brought to the church today, that we will have that kind of view, that biblical view of who we are in Christ, that we will not enjoy just coming to church alone when your neighbor does not go to church. You will not enjoy telling your people in place of work how you are blessed on Sunday, but you know they never go to church, that you will realize we are a full-time ambassadors. From the rising of the sun to the setting of the same, from the setting of the sun, to, that God wants to use us to bring many to his kingdom. Our Father, in Jesus' name, we all bow before your holy presence. I know that you are a God who is able to transform our lives. You have already done so. We want to confess we have lived in disobedience. Father, many opportunities have come and passed us. We recommit ourselves to you. Lord, we recommit our lives to you. Open the eyes of our understanding. May your Holy Spirit seize our might, O God, and our whole selves. O God, we want to serve you. We want to serve you in our homes, in our, in, in our families, Lord, in our neighborhoods, in our places of work, and wherever you send us, we thank you that from today we know we are ambassadors, never the same again. We will be sensitive to your call. We will be sensitive to your voice. We will be sensitive to your commands. Oh, be glorified, our Father. Be exalted. Lord, for as many as have prayed this prayer in their hearts, we thank you. Take over in their lives. Take over from this point in time, Lord. And we pray that you'll maximally utilize all of us for your kingdom and for your glory. Thank you for speaking to us, Lord. And thank you that we have heard your voice. Now cause us, Lord, to obey your voice and obey it fully. That we may reap the blessings that you have promised to your people. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you and we adore you, Lord. Thank you for using our brother John. We pray that, Lord, you will continue to use him. Bless him. Bless Rebecca. Bless their family. Bless their work, Lord, as they serve you. 
we ask for your blessing upon their lives and as we disperse from this place Lord to our, our activities for next week and for other things that you have in store for us may your Holy Spirit be with us and may you guide us in Christ's name we pray Amen 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 Let us appreciate the Lord and what he is able to do Amen, amen, amen. I'm so excited this afternoon. Amen. Because I can see God changing our church. I see it coming. And I can feel it. In Jesus' name. We kick off this coming Sunday.